Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Stories RPG, the podcast where we tell stories better together. And I am Michael Lowe, and with me is Daniel Hines, my partner in grime. Ooh, goblin reference. I'm here. Uh, yeah, no, I had to do it. I've, I've been thinking about a lot of goblins lately. talk about going back to school so i know it's that time of year lots of lots of folks are starting up their school year again and uh we were thinking about sharing with you some of our books since i don't know about you but like whenever i went back to school it was always about what book was going in my bag to keep me company during the day you need a book and um when we were kids i don't know if this is true of you michael we had what they called ssr every day which was sustained silent reading. I don't know if that was just a Massachusetts program no, or if that no. was countrywide. You know what? This, this is familiar. I don't think we called it that when I was coming up, but as a teacher, I have definitely heard this before. Yeah. I, I always thought it was a silly way to say, yay, reading time, um, which is what it was and what it is, right? Um, and yeah, I'm a big believer in, since this is a Write Light episode, um, I think many of the things that I learned as a writer, and I'm sure you've had the, the same experience, I learned because I read amazing writers writing amazing books that inspired me. Yeah, I think not only is reading, you know, classic, just great books, but I think something that's also important that um, I think a lot of kids and parents overlook is that you don't have to, let me how to phrase this. Basically, I think that like books sometimes get lumped into like that, like vegetables category, <laughs> something that's like good for you that you should be doing, but it's like, there are books that are junk food and that's fine to read too. Like get reading. Like, like there are just books that are just fun and they're not going to strain you too much and they're page turners and you'll rip through. And like, that's a, I think people should um, promote those more. Are you kidding me? If all you ever read in school. Yeah. yeah, If all you ever read in school is like books that are kind of drier and serious. And you know, I think that leads to kids and then into adults thinking maybe they don't like reading, but like you just don't like reading those books that you are assigned. You know, I think it's important to have a range to choose from. I'm going to confess something on air that I should probably not confess publicly as, an, as a teacher of the English language and as a writing teacher. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and I'm going to say the thing. Here it is. Ready? I am not a fan of reading books that I don't find fun to read. And I'm comfortable with a kid. You know, if somebody says to me, gosh, I'm really not enjoying this book, I'm going to say, cool, this book isn't for you. It's a good thing there's 40 million other books out there, and there's going to be a bunch of them that are. I'm a big fan of reading being fun. And I often think that, um, you know, one of the reasons I became such a reader and such a writer was the time I was coming up, we had 8-bit Super Mario Brothers. That was like the most exciting video game there was. And uh, as a result... Books were a way more compelling way to fall into a fantasy world. And yeah, I read them like people eat junk food. I was I would walk across streets reading books because I couldn't tear myself away from that other world. So yeah, today we thought we'd we'd share with y'all some of the books that we really are either loved in the past or love right now. I've I've got some sort of modern picks that I'm I'm super fond of. Dan, I, I think you were going with with some classics. I guess you could, they're not, I wouldn't call them classics. They're slightly older. Some are, some are definitely classic adjacent. <laughs> classic adjacent. I like it. 
But these are books that I personally brought back to school when I was a kid and had a lot of fun with. Right on. These are none of them from my childhood. They're all from from my son's shelf, but they're ones that he read and then just sort of threw at me and was like, Dad, you got to read this. And I was like, oh, heck yes. So I, I read them all and totally get why he was he was deeply into them. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, would you like to go first or do you want me to go first? How do you want to do this? Sure. I'm going to go first and I'm going to start with my book for the youngest age group. And um, of all of, of my list, I think we're going to do, you know, let's do four a piece, right? I think of my four, this is the only one that I didn't read when I was a kid. I read this one similar to you. My daughter loved it when she was younger and um, gave it to me to read. And it's just so much fun. It is Fortunately the Milk by Neil Gaiman. And what I love about this is it is short. It is illustrated, but not not overly illustrated. It's not a graphic novel or anything. It just has some illustrations kind of scattered throughout and it is funny. Like it is a funny book and you don't you don't get a lot of books that are actually funny, I think. That's so true. Really good humor that makes you laugh out loud in a book is such a wonderful thing and it is. It's hard to come by. You could call it a chapter book, but it's 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 sort of in between there. And it has, again, the illustrations, usually they're written in big script. It's an easy pickup. You could probably finish it in a day or two. And the whole thing is a dad goes out to get a carton of milk and it takes him longer than he thinks it will. And when he gets back, his kids are asking why. And well, um, it involves, there's a gloopy aliens who are after our plastic flamingos. There's the God of people with short, funny names. There's ponies and vampires uh, my favorite is the Galactic Dinosaur Police. Galactic Dinosaur Police is just genius. I I love it. I'm all over it. Yeah, they have, they're on. They ride around on their space bikes, and um, it's all led by Professor Steg, who is the time traveling Stegosaurus. And it's all it's just great. It's kind of silly. It's fun all the way through. It's it's absolutely never boring. If you're if you get bored with books, you feel like. This is one that'll kind of whip right along. And it's illustrated by Scotty Young, who's just this brilliant illustrator. I'd say they sort of have like a, almost like a Shell Silverstein kind of line work, but it's like a much more detailed, really, really great illustrations that are kind of spread all through the book. That sounds amazing. Like I definitely want to read it. I don't know, even time traveling space dinosaurs. One of the things from my childhood that I still read every year I reread it is all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novels which are a little bit more grown up, but they have really childlike uh, like moments. They have like, and one of the things they do is they, there are space dinosaurs in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles graphic novels. And uh, there's a whole, there's a whole intergalactic society of Triceratons who are awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That just sounds amazing. It's good for, I think as young as six years old, maybe third grade in there great book for that age range. So what's 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 your first book, Michael? This is sort of in the 8 to 13 range. All of the books that I'm going to I'm going to recommend today. I just grabbed some of the ones I'd read recently that my son had tossed to me and I think these are amazing all of them. The first one I'm going to introduce, you can definitely read it if you're somebody who uh, has the necessary intestinal fortitude, by which I mean has the guts. My son has been into the creepy stories lately, and there is this amazing book it is called Hide, Don't Seek, and Other Very Scary Stories by Annika Rose Risi. And whew, I have to tell you, as an adult, you're never expecting to get scared by scary stories for kids, right? Because you're thinking, okay, you know, I've read my grown-up 
horror stories. I'm, 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 uh, you know, I'm inured against all these creepy crawlies. Um, this author does a brilliant job of very simply writing stories that get under your skin. Um, really creepy tales that kind of make you think and leave you wondering and, and kind of like a little bit of that thrill, you know, and I'm a big fan of those sort of campfire scary stories, those classic old books, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, that was going to so, be my question yeah. is how does this compare to that book? I would say this is much scarier. Much scarier. That oh, might yeah. be too scary then. Uh, you know, it is designed for kids. It's much scarier, I think, to me. Um, and I think there's a way in which, let me give you an example of one of the stories that I thought was, you know, as an adult, I read it and I was like, <gasps> I just got stunned. First of all, the author plays around with modern um, conceits. So there are, there's one story that's entirely in text messages. That's really terrifying. Um, one of the ones I really liked, it's about uh, a little girl and her mother has a raven and the mother likes the raven very much so the little but the little girl doesn't and there she's alone with the raven um and the raven starts to bother her and the raven can of course talk and it's pulling on her hair and it's doing all these things that she doesn't like and she tells it to stop and it won't and eventually uh it starts it it gets scary and she lashes out and the raven ends up sort of for good reason uh being being hurt and her worry is not that her mother will be upset with the raven it's that her mother will be upset with her and it just really did a good job of expressing that childhood fear of adults not understanding when you're going through something and caring more about something that doesn't matter than you that fear is a deep one anyway i think this author does a great job of both making those stories really really scary but also making them really sort of delightful in that spine-tingling, fun-to-read way. So definitely one I would not pick if you are not into a little bit of a thrill in your tales, but I find thrilling tales and, and scary stories a lot easier and more fun than scary movies or shows. I'm not really into those. I find that the writing can be a lot more fun and a lot more, how do I want to say it, uh, uh, thrilling in the fun way. It, it reinvigorates you and kind of leaves you thinking. So that's my pick, Hide and Don't Seek, and other very scary stories by Annika Morose Risi. All right. Well, my next one, uh, a similar age group, is a, a little lower maybe, and it is The Rifle by Gary Paulson. Now, my instinct is to recommend Hatchet and all its many sequels, which I have done many, many times already. <laughs> so I wanted to, to switch it up a little bit and go to The Rifle, which is sort of it's an interesting book, and it's interesting from a writer's perspective as well. If you're interested in writing, which you might be if you listen to the show, it has a lot of um, it has interesting time skips, and it's it's the story of not a character but of a rifle that is constructed back for the Revolutionary War, and then it's kind of the history of this uh, weapon all the way through modern times. It's not really pro or anti gun or anything. It's about a gun as a tool, and it's it's by a craftsman and how it was made and how it was used in war and how it was regarded afterwards and what sort of happens through the life of the gun. And it's very interesting and it kind of picks up and stops and starts all these different places. And it really is a good lesson on how like a different narrative can flow. Again, it picks and drops up characters as they own the rifle. And once they don't own the rifle anymore, those characters are gone. And it's, um, it's just an, it's an interesting, different kind of book. Very short. I would almost call it a novella, which if you have never heard novella before is just, just basically means a shorter than normal book in simple terms. Mini novel. 
a mini novel, yeah. And it's it's really great. It's got some really great history stuff in there if you're interested in the old Revolutionary War times. And it's Gary Paulson, so you know you're going to learn a little, and you know it's going to be a page-turner the whole way through. And um, I reread that one every few years, mostly because as an adult, I can probably read the whole thing in a couple hours. But even as a kid, I don't think it'll take you very long. It's it's short and it's great, and it has uh, it packs a little punch. And I think it's uh, I think it's something good. Maybe you know, fourth, fifth grade and up would be would be a good spot to start that book. Yeah, I don't know. I'm you, you've got me thinking about those because that's a really you know time travel and sort of the idea of like following an object through history as it moves through different people's lives. There's a lot to learn from every book as a writer. I think if. My first pick, Hide and Don't Seek, is a great example of how to use very simple language to tell very emotionally powerful stories. The second book that I'm going to recommend, uh, Tay Keller's When You Trap a Tiger, is a really good example of a writer who understands how to write emotionally complex characters and write about a family. So it begins with um, this little girl who has an older sister and she's and her mom they're moving back to stay with her halmoni her grandmother um she uses the korean term and there's a lot of confusion in why they're moving back to this town um it's it's sort of there's a lot of frustration the older sister's angry about it and there's clearly something going on that the mom hasn't told them and uh, it's about figuring out all the secrets that are in the family, um, the grandmother's secrets and her stories and how much of them are true, and then her mother's secrets and her mother's stories and what her mother hasn't been telling her. And in the mix is this magical tiger, an enormous, massive, magical creature who, at first, only the youngest daughter can see. And... As a writer, what I really love about it is it's a great example of how you can use something dramatic and strange and fantastic and magical, like an enormous magical tiger, to represent something that is complex and fascinating in the real world, which is family secrets and heritage and shared stories. So When You Trap a Tiger by Tay Keller, could not recommend it more highly. I think it's brilliant. Real easy read and really compelling. You won't be able to put it down. That sounds pretty good. I might have to read that one. It's a really good book. All right. My next one here, it's a favorite of mine. Trend's a little older, so I'm going to kind of cheat here and give you two. But the first is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien, the classic book, The Hobbit. It sort of invented the modern fantasy genre. Any movie you kind of see these days that has elves or wizards or any of that kind of stuff all kind of traces back to The Hobbit. In The Hobbit, you can probably trace it back further to um, Beowulf and all these classics that the author was reading. But The Hobbit is sort of the first time we've seen this um, this high fantasy mixed with sort of these fairy tale elements and elves and wizards and also written kind of with a younger audience in mind. So I, I will say it's a little challenging at the start. You know, the writing is a little different maybe than what you're used to. It is a little older. But it is very accessible even to this day. If you give it a few pages, I guarantee you'll be pulled in and and the book kind of never stops once it gets running. It's amazing. There's trolls and wizards and battles and magic swords and giant spiders and just everything you'd want in a big fantasy book. And it's all done pretty much perfectly. Now, it's a little older. There are some downsides. So there aren't really many female characters in there just because... The, you know, the nature of the who he was and when he wrote it. 
it's kind of in some ways uh, a war story and wars back then were very male focused and so is this book but there's something there for everybody and i think it's just a really great fantasy book i agree that the hobbit is absolutely breathtaking once you get into it and i think one of the things that i'm a big believer in i think so many books are are absolutely lovely when they're read aloud and i think that tolkien's prose it can look a little complicated on the page, but when you hear it, it it comes to life. So if you are having trouble, if you get interested and you're curious, try reading, you know, try getting a, an, an adult in your, your life to read the first couple chapters out loud and you'll hear it and, you know, push them to sing the songs because there's, there's a lot of songs and, you know, there's some dwarves singing about gold and dragons and and, you know, do the Gandalf voice. If you've never seen the movies, you can do a Gandalf voice. Make it old, make it British. Um, do what you can with it. But there's a lot of flavor and character, and and you really just can't help yourself. You get sucked along in this wonderful, very, like, otherworldly epic. Big fan. It is a great read-aloud book, for sure. I know a lot of people who read it to their kids when they were young. I certainly read it to my daughter in, in bits and starts. I have friends who are couples who've read it to each other, people who read it at night. It's, it is a beautiful read-aloud book. And um, the audio book is pretty good, too. So if nobody in your house wants to read aloud and a book for a long time when everybody's kind of cozy at night, maybe it makes you fall asleep. That's fine. The, uh, the audio book is a good substitute for that. And it's usually available pretty cheap because it's an older book. So For sure. Probably good. Probably good to be read aloud as young as as young as six or seven. Heck yeah. There's some stuff, a little fantasy violence in there, but um, you could probably read it on your own as early as you know fifth or sixth grade and get something out of it. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna see your epic fantasy and I'm gonna raise you uh, a a more modern epic fantasy that I found a surprise. Um. My son found this in a bookstore, picked it up, and said, "I want this book." We bought it for him, and it has become a favorite of the entire household because it is brilliant. So if Tolkien is classic fantasy, Dragonfell by Sarah Prinius is a great example of reimagining fantasy. Um, and really, I think, you know, I've been trying to, to give a little bit of a, a writer's take on what makes each of these books brilliant. Hide, don't seek, simple but scary, right? When you trap a tiger emotional depth of a family. Dragonfell is great world building. It begins with this young boy who's living in a town and the rest of the villagers treat him like an outcast. The only person who's really close with him is his father. And some strange characters come to town and they are sort of dark and dangerous. And they end up sort of attacking his household and something happens, and there's a horrible fire. And he has to leave. And over the course of the story, you start to get these hints that one, there are dragons out there, and two, they're not like you think they are. And three, someone's after all the dragons. So the reason I really love this book is it reimagines dragons in this way that is absolutely fascinating and really complicated and really um, inspiring. So classic dragons always have hordes, right? They, they have a giant pile of gold in, in The Hobbit. It's smog on his golden pile of loot. In Dragonfell, they investigate the idea that what dragons do is they're collectors, but it's not of everything. They're always obsessed with a very particular thing. 
So for instance, one dragon collects nothing but fine china. Another one is a book dragon and surrounds itself with, with looted uh, books from all over. Um, there's all these, one of them is a watch dragon who has some connection to time. Anyway, it's a very compelling and fascinating world. And I also love a book where dragons aren't evil. They're misunderstood or even possibly good. Um, so this is a brilliant book. And the story of the young boy and his friend, um, they become somewhat heroic by the end of the tale. And also, there's a lot of surprises and twists that I shouldn't say too much about. So could not recommend it more. This one's a compelling read. You can definitely start early as fourth grade, fifth grade. Um, this one's absolutely, you won't be able to put it down once you pick it up. Heck yeah. Uh, Hobbit also has a dragon, but that dragon is very mean. Oh yeah. Not a nice dragon. I mentioned him. Smog. Hey, are you a smog or a smog guy? I'm, I'm a smog guy. I'm not a smog guy. I'm a guy. smog I'm a guy smog as well. Guy. And I acknowledge yeah. it might be wrong. So in the book, it's S-M-A-U-G, I believe. And um, yep, that's I, correct. I just think I think he like he's gonna be going for smog. You know, I think it's a smog. If you say smog, more power to you. That's fine. Yeah, no, fine by me. I mean, he his entire lair is sort of uh you know perfumed with the stench of dragon. That's another great thing about the Hobbit. The descriptions. There's this sort of doom and gloom surrounding smog, and as they come closer, you know, it kind of it's just terrifying and it kind of saps the strength out of you. And I, I think that's a perfect way to describe a dragon named Smog's effect. So yeah, that's why it always worked in my head that way for that reason. Yeah. And for those who don't know, Smog, the word is like a smoky, like thick pollution. It's like, yeah. Imagine if the air was foggy, but it was foggy because there was so much like dragon smoke. That's what Smog is. If you've been in, in on the East Coast or West Coast in wildfire season and you've had that, you know, that orange haze, that's a Smog. You can kind of feel it in your chest, right? All right. So, Daniel, I believe we have come to your final pick. Tell us what you got for us. So for my last book, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. Um, but, you know, it's my show and I can cheat if I want to. Ooh, wow. Okay. My last book recommendation is going to be a book from your fandom. And what I mean by that is there any big fandom, like I'm not saying small things, but anything you're like a big fan of, there's going to be some books set in that world. Like the, what I immediately go to is, you know, there was a ton of star Wars back in the day and, and there's still more coming out now. Heck or yes. if you like the new teenage mutant Ninja turtles are out, there's a book for that Marvel, any superhero you want, they have novels out chapter books Anything you already like, any world you're invested in and you want to learn a little more and, and get yourself reading, these tie-in books, I mean, people sometimes look down on them because they're not literature with a capital L. Like they're not as writing is writing. these bah. big serious books you'd, <laughs> you'd learn in school, but they're, but they're fun and you learn to read and you get new words and new ideas. And, and I truly believe that if you start with that stuff, you'll, you'll want more and you'll probably graduate to more difficult books. But I think, especially if you're not currently loving reading, find something you already like. Find a show you like, a movie you like, and get some books in that vein. I mean, I don't, I don't care if you're younger and you're into Paw Patrol. I know there's Paw Patrol books. I was thinking about Jedi Academy from the Star Wars series, which are by the amazing Jeffrey Brown. They've got a lot of illustrations in, but they're like stories of a young Jedi dealing with going to school and having to learn to be a Jedi along with other Jedi. And I'm a big fan. Those are great books. And if you're into Star Wars at all, if you've watched, 
you know, any, any Star Wars, anything, cartoons or whatever, um, it'll feel like a very familiar world and it's very compelling. Anything that gets you inspired and, you know, that you're really in love with is always a good choice. Yeah. And again, sometimes these books get a bad rap, but I, uh, I know a writer, his name is Christopher Golden and he's written many of his own books, usually more, you know, they're sometimes usually scarier, a little more adult, but a lot of his early writing, I mean, he was working on Buffy the Vampire Slayer books. He was working on um, comic tie-in books and he, and he's a great writer and that's just kind of where he cut his teeth, but he's a good writer and he's a good writer now. And he was a good writer then. I mean, these people writing these a lot of times put a lot of heart into it. A lot of times these writers, you know, especially when you get these Star Wars, these Marvel, My Little Pony, Paw Patrol, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Barbie, literally anything that you are into, there's going to be some books for you. Pokemon. Pokemon. There's a bunch of books. Gotta be. Like my daughter used to love reading some Pokemon books. Part of part of my daughter's, she learned to read pretty early and part of that was she really liked Pokemon cards and I told her we couldn't buy any more until she learned to read because you can't really play the game or anything until you learn to read. So it was good motivation, you know? One of my son's most loved, most dog-eared books. It's an entire book of uh, Pokemon. It's the entire guide. And he's dog-eared and marked every page where there's a Pokemon he really likes and he knows all the lore. So totally. Like the, the key to writing is, I think, I don't know. I don't have the sense that it's this proper thing that you do if you're proper. Reading and writing for me are things you do because they're fun. Um, and they're endlessly fun and you get to make up your own worlds. Like I like, you know, inhabiting other people's worlds, but boy, I want to be able to make my own and I want to get inspired by other people's and then build my own. And, you know, this is one of the quickest ways to jump into building your own world based on the worlds you love from other places. So have fun with it. Don't ever hesitate. Yeah. I mean, think of it, the way to think of it for me is if you're not huge into reading, if you already love to read, I don't have to sell you on it. I'm glad you love to read. I love to read. It's 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 great. But if you don't love to read it, I think you can learn. And I think it's worth learning. And I think part of that is it's reframing what you think of it. Reading doesn't have to be work. You can think of reading like I'm looking at here. There's a Miles Morales Spider-Man um, novel. Heck yes. You know I'm had. there for and that. It's like, you know I'm there for that. Right. And like, and just think of it as like, oh, okay. You know, you, you love watching Spider-Man at home. Now you're in school. You can't watch cartoons at school, but you can sit down and you can read basically read an episode of a, of a spider-man adventure like heck yeah anything you like you can kind of get it's small it's portable you're with it in school you can read on your downtime you can read while you're standing in line you can read when you're supposed to be being quiet it's great and you can read the stuff that you already love there's plenty of it out there and that's kind of my biggest recommendation is if you really want to get diving into a book and you don't know where to start just think of a universe you already love and just um just search around with your parents and th- there'll be books for you i promise absolutely um, 100%. I will end us then with a, a fancy pick. This is another Newbery Award winner. I know it makes me sound like I'm I'm very picky about Newbery Award winning books, but it's not. It's just I buy a lot of books. Well, they're good. I mean, if, if Newbery Awards are for, for the uninitiated are basically the writing award for, you know, young adult children's books. And so it's not surprising that Newbery Award winners would be very, very good books. <laughs> I read a lot of young adult fiction because I don't know, I guess I never, uh, you know, that's where my head's at. I love a good, I think sometimes we forget the fantasy element of storytelling and sometimes adult fantasy gets a little bit too full of itself for me. And so I love a lot of these authors for having these wonderful fairy tales that really let you escape reality and really take you to a different place. Um, so that's a perfect Perfect segue into The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill. Uh, Kelly Barnhill is an incredible author. Highly recommend everything she's written. 
Um, I think I've mentioned The Ogress and the Orphans by her. There's also a wonderful one called The Witch's Boy. I think if I had to choose one that I recommend to anyone who sits still for a minute, it's The Girl Who Drank the Moon. There are a few tough scenes. There's some emotional upheaval. Everything turns out all right in the end. But it has everything from an ancient swamp monster who might be a god who raises a tiny child who's so overflowing with magic that she creates magic whatever she does as play, which makes her sort of dangerous. An ancient and loving uh, nature witch, a town run by an old and corrupt council, a um, a vicious and kind of terrifying uh, witch who's known as the tiger, and uh, an order of almost militaristic nuns with amazing powers. It, it really sort of boggles the imagination. And Kelly Barnhill writes beautifully. She writes poetically. A lot of her writing, you can sort of stop and and savor because it's it's got a rhythm to it. And it's got beauty and imagery that surprises you. And you fall in love with the characters. They're all, you know, well-designed. And I'm a big sucker for a, a book with lots of characters who are interesting. Like, it's great to have one main character you're in love with. That's always lovely. But I'm a big fan of books that allow everyone in the book to kind of have their own compelling story and their own narrative. So you fall in love with all these different people and their their story becomes very deep, very mysterious, very epic, and very delightful. Um, and also terrifying at times. This is not a this is not a a story for those who give up when things get tough. This is a story about persevering despite despite despair in the face of of difficulty. Like all great fairy tales are. There's that edge of seriousness. Yeah. So could not recommend it more. The girl who drank the moon. Kelly Barnhill. Um, you can read it aloud to each other. You can read it on your own. Um, I'd say it's it's probably an easy read for anybody who's 10 or 11. Um, fourth, fifth grade. Uh, sixth, seventh, it'll be an easier read. Um, but definitely it's one to share with your family because um, it's really powerful and really beautiful. Yeah, it's a great book. My daughter loved it too. Uh, I think that's a great recommendation. So let's just go down the list of uh, the books you recommended. We're going to have a list in the episode description with links and everything. It'll have the author's names, um, probably a link to Amazon or someplace they're easy to buy. But uh, we'll run through the uh, the titles of the books now just to remind you. Right on. So I had Hide and Don't Seek for a little bit of simple horror. When You Trap a Tiger which is great family drama, Dragonfell, which is wonderful if you love dragons, and The Girl Who Drank the Moon. Okay, and I had Fortunately the Milk, which is a sort of uh, very funny story for any age, kind of skews a little younger, but I still enjoyed it as an adult. Then we had The Rifle, which is sort of historical fiction, written in an interesting way, but also very, very cool, a lot about kind of gunsmithing and craftsmanship in general. And then next after that is The Hobbit, which is the perfect fantasy book, in my opinion, the, one of the first to do it, one of the best to do it. And then finally, my last recommendation is just going to be any book that's already in a world you love. Pick up a book in a world you love. It'll be easier to dive in. There's not a ton of world building. You kind of already know what's going on. You get right to the action. It's going to be really fun, immediately accessible. So that's, that's my last recommendation is just search around for kind of worlds you're already into 
and read more books set in that world. We got some great writers working on that kind of fiction. So I think that's a great place to go. Escape into the worlds you love already. Absolutely. 100%. And uh, yeah, if you have any different favorite books, you can let us know about it at uh, hello at storiesrpg.com. You can check out storiesrpg.com for all our games and stuff uh, free to download. And you can check out patreon.com slash storiesrpg for the extended game books, for adventures you can play through, and um, just little extras like that. And be on the lookout for our new arc. We're going to be doing some science fiction coming up, and I don't want to give away too much. And this November, we're also going to be publishing another play-at-home book like Starsworn, but this one for Giga City Guardians. So there'll be more Giga City Guardians in the near future. We're looking forward to it. Yep, and again, all that stuff you can find at storiesrpg.com and all the books we've talked about and maybe a few others we think about later you'll find in the show description. So you can click those links, get the books, and uh, you know, have a good time going back to school. Enjoy it. Amen. And if any of you are looking to write some stories of your own, feel free to check out the classes on the storiesrpg.com website. There are ongoing after school and homeschool classes if you're into writing some of your own worlds. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Bye. Bye.